Good morning. There are a lot of things that, that I don't know. Um, there's a, a lot of stuff, of course, when I was younger that I had no idea about that, that I've learned over time. And there's a few things, uh, specifically because of my, uh, my current age, that I've had to start learning a lot more about. Uh, this morning's lesson is entitled... Uh, ELI-5, and I realized uh, yesterday that even less people knew what this meant than I thought, and there's a good chance that almost none of you have any idea what ELI-5 is. Um, If you are to go online and you are to look up something, um, if you type ELI-5 before you type in what you are wanting to look up, you will get a much simpler explanation of what you are looking up. And that is because ELI 5 stands for explain like I'm five or explain this like I am five years old. And I've learned that it is one of the most helpful things that you could ever use. Um, Recently, I have had to look up a lot of information about taxes Um, and exactly how that works, why it works the way it does, and all of that. Um, In fact, last month, when I turned 26, I knew nothing about how insurance worked. Um, Luckily, my mom was kind enough to let me stay on her insurance. And in case you don't know this, the second you turn 26, you are off your parents' insurance. So, I had to figure out, all right, where do I go from here? What am I supposed to do to get the insurance that I need, and uh, so instead of just typing in insurance, I typed in ELI-5 insurance, and they said, all right, we're going to explain it like you are five years old, and I understood it that way. Um, Normally, I did not understand all of the big terms and definitions that that they had put onto, and, and I still don't understand some of the stuff that they'll talk about. When it comes to things like taxes and insurance and other, you know, adult uh, topics, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, things tend to go over our heads. Um, not just for me, but I'm sure there's something in your life where you've heard something and you say, I have absolutely no idea what that even means. Um, a lot of things tend to get overcomplicated. Uh, We find ourselves in these different situations that we just don't understand. Um, The things tend to be too complex or just not really make any sense to us. Um, A lot of times, regardless of our age or our knowledge, there are things that we have difficulty comprehending. Um, We could be uh, very young and not understand something that's been around for a long time. Um, Maybe there are some... Uh, some of the older people in the audience that maybe don't really understand how to use your cell phone entirely. Uh, Maybe you have a smartphone that's a little bit too complicated for you. Um, Regardless of our age, regardless of the knowledge that we have, um, there are different things that that we just just don't get sometimes. Um, We have a hard time understanding them because they just tend to be too complex. If you will, uh, turn with me to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. 
Now, we're, per, uh, we're pretty familiar with, uh, with the book of Jonah, or at least chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Jonah. Um, to kind of recap this idea, or, or the, uh, what takes place uh, in the book of Jonah... Of course, God comes to Jonah and wants him to, to be a prophet uh, to, to the nations, uh, to the nation specifically of Nineveh for him. And so God gives him this, uh, God gives him this task and says, you know, I want you to go and I want you to speak to these people. They're not living the way that they need to. They're living uh, very sinful lives. And I need you to go to them. I need you to speak to them and show them the right way to live. And so... Uh, Jonah doesn't go. He goes in the complete opposite direction. Uh, he, he actually really does go in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat and he goes to Tarshish, which is the complete uh, other side of, of where he needs to be. And of course, uh, he is, uh, he's on the ship and, uh, and a great storm takes place and he ends up uh, being thrown off of the boat um, by his own command and is swallowed up by a great fish. And of course, we, we understand this part of the story where he's, he's in the belly of this great fish and, and he prays to God. And, and one of the things that he says or that, that he wants to do is that he wants to change and he wants to do what God has asked him to do. Uh, he, he agrees to do what God wants him to do if, if he just lets him out of uh, this great fish. And so it takes place and uh, he is, he's spit out and, and Jonah makes his way to, to Nineveh. And he goes to Nineveh, and these bad people are all around uh, in this place. And, and Jonah speaks to them and says, uh, you're not living the way that you need to live. And believe it or not, the people of Nineveh are very receptive to this. They understand it, and they say, uh, you are right. And, and they change. They change the way that they had been living. Um, before we get into Jonah chapter 4, if you'll actually back up one verse, and we're going to read the very last verse of chapter 3, and then kind of move into chapter 4. Beginning in verse 10, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now moving on into chapter 4, this is the part that we don't really... Uh, we don't really get to too often. That's usually where we, we end the story. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Here we see that Jonah did not really understand what God was doing or why he was doing it. Jonah, of course, speaks to Nineveh, but Jonah has no compassion for these people. And so what he's saying here is, is he's having a hard time understanding why in the world God would allow these sinful people, uh, even though they're, they're changing their ways, to, to still be alive, to still allow to, to be a city. He doesn't understand this. And he knows that God has that compassion, but, but he himself just doesn't have it. He just doesn't get it. 
And so we see here that God chooses to, to explain this to him. I want to pick up in verse 5 of chapter 4. And he explains this uh, to Jonah in a, very, in a very strange way. Beginning in verse 5, Jonah went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade uh, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came upon the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, uh, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he, Jonah, said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Here we see that, that Jonah just does not understand the compassion that God has. He doesn't understand the, the relenting, as it says in Jonah, uh, the relenting that God has toward these people. And so here we see this very strange illustration uh, that God actually does for Jonah. He brings this tree and and he makes it grow and it it covers Jonah. It keeps him uh, in the shade. And then immediately after, the next morning, he takes this plant away from him. And now he's left out in the sun uh, with, with the heat bearing down on him. And of course, Jonah here complains about this as well. But God makes sure that Jonah understands that he had nothing to do with this plant coming up uh, or, or being brought down. And yet he has pity on this plant. But at the same time, he doesn't have this compassion for, for 120,000 people, 120, yeah, 120,000 people uh, in the city of Nineveh that are now choosing, though they didn't live the way that they needed to, are now living for God. You see, God wanted Jonah to understand their repentance. He wanted Jonah to understand their compassion, and he wasn't really getting it. And here we even see the end of Jonah, the end of this book, ends with with a question. And it's a question that we kind of leave ourselves trying to to make sure that, that we understand. That we understand that, that the reason that this took place is because we have uh, no ownership over these things. Uh, And we may look at Jonah negatively after looking at at what he did, but we really just see a man who who didn't fully understand the character and the decisions of God. But we also understand that we can't be angry over something uh, that was not made or created by ourselves.
A lot of times when, uh, when a, a five-year-old is learning something, um, if something is going to be too complex, they're not going to understand the entirety uh, of what you're telling them. But it doesn't actually just apply to a five-year-old. It applies to every single one of us. Uh, if you use really big words that most people don't understand and you're trying to define something, um, I'm not going to know what you're talking about. Um, chances are several other people are not going to know what you're talking about. Uh, it's the same concept no matter what age we are. If information seems to be too complex, then we're not going to understand it. Uh, if we allow things to, uh, to have too many complex parts to it, uh, it's going to be something that's just going to go over our heads. It's going to be something where we, we hear the information, but we really aren't able to take it in. I think that a lot of times, this idea of, of adding complexity, I think that's something that, that we do with our own lives. As we grow, as we get older, of course, when we're younger, our lives are a little bit more simple. And as we grow up, uh, we add these, these additional parts into our lives. And when we add these parts, our lives, at least in our own minds, become a little bit more complex. And so we no longer have this one solid idea, uh, but we have many different parts that put together who we are. And so when we look at our life and when we look at our purpose, it becomes too complicated to really have an answer about who we are. And I honestly think that a lot of times, the more complicated our lives become, the easier it is for our lives to not share in this one common purpose and for us to not live entirely right. The more complexities that we add into our life, the easier it is to have, well, most of our life on the right track and some of it maybe not so much. And I think that if we continue to complicate our lives and just add to this, maybe in the back of our minds we're thinking that we're making it complicated enough to where uh, maybe God doesn't really understand the, the differences in our purpose, and he just sees that, you know, we're, we're, trying, we're trying for the most part. But I really think that when we do that, we don't get it. When we do that, we don't understand our lives. We don't understand the simplicity of what our purpose is supposed to be. When we complicate everything, we make our purpose so complex that there no longer is a purpose. A lot of times uh, you might be asked to kind of describe yourself with some different words. Um, what I commonly think of is um, if somebody has a, you know, if you're on Facebook and you have, you know, these different things that kind of define who you are, that tends to be what you list off uh, to kind of describe yourself. If you have a profile of any kind, those are those words that, that identify you as a person. And a lot of times when we define ourselves, if you were to, to sit down and make a list of what defines you right now, I'm sure that at some point in your list, you would write down the word Christian. 
But I think already by doing this, it becomes a problem. Because all we're doing is we're putting that as part of our list. We're putting that as a a part of this complex person that we are. And we just make it a part of us rather than all of us. If you will, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. As Jesus began his ministry on this earth, of course we know that he spoke many, many things. Um, And one of those things that that we like to look at, that we enjoy looking at, are are the parables that that he brings us. Sorry, I think I left, uh, I I overlooked this one, uh, if if you're filling in your blanks. But Jesus shared many parables during his ministry on earth. Uh, there are a, a, a very, there's actually a very long list of all the different parables uh, throughout the life of Christ that he shares during his ministry. And I think that these parables bring a lot of these, uh, what I've been referring to as ELI 5 moments. Uh, they, they present a lot of these explain like I'm five years old moments. Now, I will go ahead and clarify. It's actually not the parables themselves that are the explanations. It's the parables that bring about these explanations. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of explain that a little bit as we, as we go along. Uh, but I want to look at uh, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, beginning in verse 10. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it, ha- it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, Even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing what they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And skipping down to uh, to verse 17. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, here in this passage, Jesus is speaking to uh, a group of people that were very interested in what he had to say. This was a group of people that, uh, right before this, had heard a parable from him. And they came to him because they wanted to know why you speak this way and and what this means. These people that heard this, they were uh, wanting to understand more. And so here we see these two different groups of people that he presents, that Jesus presents in this passage. We see these exact people that that come up to him and they're asking about this passage or they're asking about this parable and they're wanting to know more. And then we also learn about the others that that hear this parable and they're, they're actually disinterested in what they're hearing and they turn away. We see that some hearing have no interest in understanding while these others hear and they want to learn. 
And the ones that hear and want to learn are these very people that are coming up and asking Jesus what this means. They heard and they wanted to know its, its true meaning. And so after, uh, after this passage uh, that we just read, in fact, Christ actually then goes on and explains what this parable means to these people. So that way they're able to understand and it's not the parable itself again, but it's this moment when he goes and explains the meaning of the parable that they have uh, this moment where they f- are finally able to understand what Christ was talking about, what Jesus was trying to present to them. When we look at the life of Christ as a whole, I believe that the life of Christ was very simple in purpose. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think that it was easy by any means. Um, I, don't think that, I don't think that his life was, was without meaning, but I think it was very clear. I think the life of Christ and, and what he did was made very clear. I think that the life of Christ did not have a lot of complex parts that all just kind of came together and made this this complex person that just had so many different things that were a part of him. I think that his life and his message was so simple and was so clear. And I think that message that you know and that I know is that Christ lived and Christ died for us. And Christ did His best to to show this message to everyone that He came in contact with. All throughout His life, He did everything that He could to make sure that people understood what His one purpose was. I think that the life of Christ is a simple message. I think it's a message that if it needs to be laid out in the explain like I'm five terms, I think it very easily can be. And we know and we understand that that we are to to imitate Him. We are to imitate that life. We are to imitate that purpose. Since He died for us, in return, we are to live for Him. If He was able to, to come to this earth and die for us, we are to live for Him. See, we imitate His example And we are to simplify our purpose. When we make a list of all of our attributes, if we were to have that list that defined who we were, rather than allowing Christ to be a part of that list, I will be honest, Christ needs to be that list. Christ needs to be every part of who we are. 
Our purpose doesn't need to be so complex that we have all these different things that we're trying to do. And though we're here and we're a part of the church, we don't need to be driven by things of this world. We don't need to be driven by these things that really don't matter. We don't need to allow our, our, our purpose to get so cloudy and so complex that not only do people not understand what our life is about, but we don't understand what our life is about. We have to imitate His example. We have to simplify our purpose. I want to look at one more passage in Matthew chapter 13. This is actually uh, much later. Uh, in this specific chapter, uh, not only do we see the explanation of parables, but we see several different parables, um, including the, the parable of the sower going out and throwing all the seeds. Um, we also see uh, the parable of the weeds, the parable of uh, hidden treasures, all these different parables. But there's one that I want to, to share with you, and that's later on in uh, chapter 13, beginning in verse 47. Beginning in verse 47. It reads, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In verse 51, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. Here we see another very simple parable. We see this, this boat uh, going out and casting their nets. And they bring in all these fish and they, and they sort through the fish. They have the good fish and they have the bad. And, and uh, according to what I had uh, been reading, uh, if, if a fish is, is missing some of its scales or uh, is missing its fin, that at that point they would consider it to be, uh, to be bad, to be unclean. And so they would, they would throw it away. But here you see uh, these fishermen going through and sorting through these fish. The good put into good containers and the bad thrown out. And the people here at the end of this passage understand what Christ is talking about. And I hope at the same time that, that you understand what He's talking about. And I want to ask you this very unusual question. Are you going to be thrown out? Um, is, your, is your life being lived with a very clear purpose? Do you have that simple purpose that, that Christ has, that Christ brought to this earth, that Christ put all of His life into? Is that the way that, that you're living your life? With this same exact, clear, simple purpose that when people look at you, they don't need an additional explanation about who you are or what your life is about. They know that you are imitating Christ. You need no explanation. Are you living your life with this clear, simple purpose or 
Is your life so complex that, that people don't know what your purpose is even about? Or that you don't even know what your purpose really is about? When we complicate our lives, it's, it's easy to let the things of the world in. It's very easy for, for the fine line between what's good and what's bad in our lives to become a lot less clear. And the more complex we allow our lives to be, the more things we add onto that list that define who we are, the easier it is to forget about that one word, Christian, that should define everything about us. Your life, who you are, should be so simple in purpose that even, even a five-year-old would be able to understand the terminology that you're using. It would be something so simple that nobody would have difficulty in knowing what your life was about. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that purpose is not clear. Maybe you feel like the life that you are living is, is so complex that you're not even sure really who or what you're living for. Maybe you're looking at your list and you haven't yet put the name Christian as a part of that, as a part of defining who you are. And you recognize that, that you want to be a part of Christ, that you want to be a Christian, that you want to put Him on in baptism and let Him be the characteristic that defines you. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, whether it be for prayers or encouragement, for any help that you need, we ask that you come for now as we stand and as we sing.